Hey everyone, this is Marissa Phillips from Y'all Heard, and um... Hey everybody, rate us on iTunes Five stars is a charm And why not leave us a voicemail 570-POD-1 Doesn't matter what you say in your voicemail We promise we'll appreciate it, we don't get many, thank you Everybody. This is Y'all Heard, a podcast where me, Marissa Phillips, and me, Pete Phillips, are never related. Never. Ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we get together and we, you know, we make a really solid effort to not look like idiots while we tell you about some things that we learned over the past seven days. I mean, yeah. We try. I want to remind you, my Donkey Kong episode was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> So, in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. And we do it, by the way, from across the state of Pennsylvania. And so when you hear a little bit of distortion in Marissa's voice, there are a variety of uh, variables that you can blame. Could be a wireless connection. Could just be Comcast sucks, right? Because they do. Could be because it's cold. I heard sometime that that cold makes the internet move slow, which is really dumb. But, uh, capitalism. Yeah, you could definitely Democracy. blame capitalism. Shoes. Because if Marissa didn't want the best shoes in the world, she wouldn't have to live in such a big city. Someone texted me, I hate America, as I said that sentence. Uh, how's your week, Pete? Uh, Wait, before you tell me how your week is, who do you guess texted me, Cassie. I hate America? Was there an event that triggered it? They were just saying they can't believe that everyone remembers George Bush fondly just because... Matt Zabrowski. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, how's your week? Why is it weird? Um, I went to the gym on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and my body has hurt ever since. Severely. That's not that weird. Oh, okay. I guess that's very weird. <laughs> to the point that I can't put on a jacket. <laughs> Ooh. Did you do extra hardcore I workout? I didn't do extra hardcore workout. I just did what I always do. Except that I hadn't done what I always do for like a month. So you gotta ease into it, ho. Yeah. We old shit. I guess so. I didn't yeah. know though. So then I went back yesterday just to do cardio. But today I couldn't move, so I didn't go back. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Uh, other than that, yep, standard. How about you, Marissa? Um, I think it's been fine. I went salsa dancing in public. That was interesting. Um, With the kind of person that's like, nobody's dancing. Let's get this party started. Let's be the first people to start this dance floor. And I was like, what? (laughs) This isn't a wedding. (laughs) Uh, We were the second people on the dance floor. Um, also, I just had a Lyft driver today tell me about his alien encounter, which was awesome, and I loved it, and... Next time you have to say, can I record this for my podcast? I know, like, it was amazing. (laughs) I really wanted, I wish I, like, had it. Um, and also, I had a dream last night, and it is very closely linked with my topic. But anyway, we won't segue yet, because we still have icebreakers. Put the brakes on, no segue. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
heat, icebreaker time. You ready? Ding, 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 crash. Icebreaker. <laughs> oh, by the way, I kept saying moist today, but it was like in context with something, and it wasn't weird. I wasn't saying it just to antagonize people. The people were and everyone was so disgusting. Yeah. Disgusted, and they got so angry. Tomorrow you should know. say hoist all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I said thrust. And then that upset people too. Mm-hmm. I said that they got it thrust that it was thrust upon me, and they were like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, today was an interesting day. Oh, Pete, I'm sorry. Yeah, Marissa. This is probably an off-air one, but I'll just share it anyway. Philadelphia has Edit. a board game cafe that sells a bunch of gluten-free macaroni and cheese, pizza, and corn dogs, and they sell booze. That That's sounds all. fun for you. Yeah, I'm going Thursday. Anyway, <laughs> icebreaker. <laughs> Is there anything in your life that you would deem a guilty pleasure or just that you don't like admitting that you like? I'm sure there are. I've been watching a lot of Lifetime and Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, but at this point, doesn't everybody? Do they? Yeah. I'm st- uh, okay, but I still feel guilty about it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess I do a little bit too. Like, tell everyone you're... Your top recommendation. Oh, I don't have one, really. They're they're also, you know... Okay, so here's a story. Uh, Around Thanksgiving, I was watching one with my mom, and uh, it was an all-black cast, and that was different for the Hallmark Channel, right? Mm -hmm. So you're watching this movie, and this lady goes back to a town because her sister died, and her sister's will says, you have to stay in the house for like four weeks, I think it is. And then you can keep the house. But if you can't stay in the house for four weeks, then it goes back to the town. And then the town can sell it and do whatever they want with it and whatever they want with the money. But this lady's like, no, 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 it's our house and I want to stay in it. And then, so she's staying in the house for four weeks. And she discovers this notebook full of pictures that look kind of like her sister. And she's like, oh, look, my sister imagined this life for her. But then her sister's lawyer is like, that's not your sister. That's somebody else. And then it was like, dun, dun, dun. What? And then her sister's like, who? Uh, But the lawyer's like, attorney-client privilege. I I can't tell you who it is. So anyway, the whole entire time, I'm really hoping that Hallmark went all in. And this is her lesbian lover. I was okay. so, so excited, hoping that that was going to be the case. You have an all-black cast, and your lead is a lesbian. Yeah, or, yeah. I guess your your main subject is, is a lesbian. No, it was her daughter. It was her, like, estranged oh, daughter. Oh, boring. Yeah. Spoiler alert for a movie I okay. don't know the name of. <laughs> it was called, like, it's not Christmas-related, right? No, it was Christmas-related. It was called, like, The Christmas House Sitter. Yeah. That wasn't even funny. That was just all I could think of. The house that Christmas forgot because she died. No, no that, that means the house died. Christmas. The house that forgot she died at Christmas. Okay, so that's your, wait, Santa, all I want for Christmas is this house. Okay. Uh, so that was your guilty pleasure? That's what I'm going to pick right now, but just like with every other icebreaker we do, if a better idea comes my way, I promise to blurt it out mid-show. Okay. So mine would be one of two. It would either be Real Housewives to an extent, and though I've never seen the Kardashians, if I had the channel with it, I would watch them, because I don't know why I like that. But the other part, which I'm not... I don't either. 
Shut up. <laughs> the other part which I'm not entirely guilty for, but I guess I'm guilty for how much I like it. It's how much I like Medea. And yeah, I think some really people do. are uncomfortable with that. And I just found out that Medea is about to retire as a, not not Tyler Perry. Medea. So Medea's currently in her farewell tour. Just in case, uh, listeners, you don't know, Medea is played by Tyler Perry, but yeah, it's but not he's Tyler not Perry. Does Tyler Perry interview Medea on the tour? No. It's a and play. when you say it's tour, do you mean this is like a traveling show? or? She did, Medea originated like in a play, so it's like a play. Okay. Like age play. So yeah, I guess my love of Medea, and then sometimes I wonder, because Medea's weird, and like a little bit... I don't know how people take it's it. It's not a little bit it. offensive. It's very offensive at times. But and I, love I think it. the problem is who. But I'm not like who, who laughs. People are funny. Like, that's who not laughs why I like and Medea. when? I, I know think, you're not, but. But no, no, no. I went to a movie theater watching a Medea movie, and it was full of white people laughing hysterically when they kept saying the N word. It made me very uncomfortable. So I feel like I like it from a pure place. Which, by the way, guys. I highly recommend a Medea Christmas. Oh my gosh. That is so good. (laughs) Anyway, I watched it two times so far. Speaking of a diary of a mad black woman, I'm going to talk about lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. She's getting really good with transitions, guys. Please (laughs) go to iTunes, leave a review that says Marissa rules when it comes to transitions (laughs) between topics and segments. Speaking of the woman of my dreams, let's talk about dreams. Was that better? Medea's the woman of my dreams. Is she? No. Like, as my lover? Or, like, how? Speaking of Medea, let me talk about my sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about Medea, let me talk about... Madrima. Madrima. <laughs> so, when I was a little kid, I remember this one time I dreamt. And I knew I was dreaming. And I tried to pull myself out of the dream. And then I thought I woke up because I, like, saw the bedroom. But it was, like, a dream within a dream. But then even then, I eventually realized I was in a dream within a dream. I feel like I'm quoting Poe. Inception? (laughs) Or your Inception. And as soon as I realized it was a dream, I woke up. And there was a really... I was, like, at the midst of a really scary part. So it was, like, a really comforting to wake up. And periodically there are times in my life where I have a dream that's really horrible. And in the dream, I don't always know I'm dreaming, but I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I wake up. Please don't let this be real. Which actually is what happened yesterday. I had a really bad dream, and I was like, oh, my God, I hope this turns out to be a dream. And my brother has had interesting experiences with his dreaming where one time he was able to control his dream. Like, not only did he realize he was dreaming, but then he, like, stopped himself and was like, oh, I want to go down the stairs, and I want to take an orange out of the bowl. He did something really mundane, but uh, it only lasted for a few seconds. Then he, like, lost control of the dream. But I thought that was really fascinating. And I've always been thinking to look more into it, and I just always forget. But so basically what I've described are different levels of lucid dreaming. So uh, lucid dreaming is when you are in a dream and you are fully aware of the fact that you are in a dream. It is described as a dream during which dreamers, while dreaming, are aware that they are dreaming. (laughs) I like that quote. I wanted to say that one even though I said it already. 
There are some skeptics that question whether it actually happens at all, but there's been a lot of research into lucid dreaming, which indicates not only do some people have lucid dreams, but there are ways that you can actually induce a lucid dream mm -hmm. and like practice it and like get better. Like a superhero. And it's possible to use a sort of unconscious consciousness to even gain control of what you're going to end up dreaming about. I think the first mention of lucid dreaming ever, like in a written text, was in something called On Dreams by Aristotle, so way back in the day. Don't know my history enough to know what Aristotle time was, but <clears throat> history It's but Aristotle time! <laughs> in that text, he describes an instance of self-awareness during a dream state. I was going to quote it, but it's enough. I'll just quote part of it. Then it starts to become stuff I don't understand. If the sleeper perceives that he is asleep and is conscious of the sleeping state during which the perception comes before his mind, it presents itself still, but something within him speaks to this effect. And then it says some stuff I don't understand. So Aristotle's over my head, but whatever. It's actually unclear like how many people actually experience lucid dreaming, though uh, through the many studies, people have basically seen that it's rather prevalent, uh, and even you could say like somewhat common. One study in Brazil surveyed 3,427 people, and the median age was 25. And of that group, about 77% of the respondents had experienced lucid dreaming at least one time. Pete, have you ever no. experienced lucid dreaming? Really? I have no idea what you're talking about. But you at least, do you at least understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. And so, when does it happen, and what is it like? So, lucid dreaming will typically occur during REM sleep. That's, like, the time when you're usually, like, dreaming. Uh, for some people, it occurs spontaneously. When it happened to me, it was unplanned. But, like I said, other people can train themselves to do it. And the degree to which a person can influence their dream varies. Uh, some people, like me, will simply wake up immediately once they realize it's a dream. Uh, while other people can kind of poke around in their dreams and control their actions, or maybe even change the narrative of the dream itself. Um, so one person who experiences lucid dreaming said, usually I can control the narrative of the, of the dream. So for example, if I'm unhappy with the way things are going, I can change it. So some people are really into lucid dreaming. And I mean, I think the allure is quite obvious. Do you, or you think it's like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Well, I guess I understand why somebody would want to harness the power of lucid dreaming so that they could control their own dream because they're kind of like experiencing their own imagination and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I guess it depends on why you feel like you dream. Because if you feel like you dream as a way to like unlock your unconscious and see what's in there so that you can sort of see what's, you know, what's going on in your head that's not rising to the surface, what's the point of controlling it? Okay, yeah, that is true. Although some people, Thanks. Put, you're welcome. Some people put even more significance to dreams, though I'd say, and some people might say like, you know, they're, let's say they're able to to conquer a fear in a dream or able to change the course of events in a dream. They might think that that would reflect in their life in some way. All right. I'm not saying that applies to me. I wish, I wish I thought that, but I'm going to ask you at the end what the difference between virtual reality and lucid dreaming is. Like I said, I just think like some people 
attach more significance to dreaming. Yeah, I would say because dreaming is a lot more like of a personal thing also. Dr. Denholm Aspie of the <laughs> University of Adelaide in Australia. What? I just laughed at his name. Yep. Because I'm rude. D-E-N. Home. Uh, he's a researcher who specializes specifically in lucid dreaming. And he explained that lucid dreaming can be very therapeutic, which I found interesting. He said it's basically to address nightmares, especially recurring nightmares, which may affect a person's quality of life. I've had nightmares that, like, really mess up my day, but I guess I've never had, like, recurring nightmares that are, like, making my life horrible. But if, if that was something I experienced, I could definitely see, like, the benefit I just wake up for that. What? A recurring dream that makes my life horrible. <laughs> oh, pizza. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the practice of learning to lucid dream in order to stop nightmares from occurring or recurring is called lucid dream therapy. So, basically, if you, like, learn how to get the ability to exert control over these nightmares or fears you have, um, it will kind of help you get past that and, and help you no longer be a slave to these these dreams. Um, so let's say you're being attacked by someone in a nightmare, and you could maybe, if you gain control, you could try to talk to the attacker, and you could be like, why are you in my dreams? What are why you are you mean? making me a dream slave? Exactly, why, why? Why are you a dream fake? In fact, I would say a lucid dreamer is something of a dream warrior. Anybody? Dream warrior! Uh, Archie sang that in two episodes of Riverdale ago, and it was beautiful. Anyway, was it Halloween? No, it was like '80s, and he was supposed to be Luke Perry character, and cool. it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Lucid dreaming also has the potential to help people with phobias, such as a fear of flying, or animal phobias, such as arachnophobia. So, if a person has a certain phobia, then in their lucid environment. They kind of have a, like an interesting, unique opportunity to get a sort of like exposure therapy uh, and help them to overcome that fear. But see, that's interesting because if it's a recurring dream that you don't have control over and then you get control over it, I get it. But if you have a fear, what are you going to be like? Oh, yeah, let me think of spiders today. Let me think of spiders. Like, no one's going to wish their phobia into their own yeah. dream. Yeah. And I feel like, too, you could in that respect go like well we're going to have virtual reality therapy you're going to go under we're going to throw in a bunch of spiders after you and then you're going to overcome your fear yeah so for that one i would say the first one i don't think the first one i said i don't think i think that and virtual reality are quite different but for the second one i definitely think yeah virtual reality could just be a replacement so how do you do it so as we know I do research like a day before, if I'm lucky. I, I do have reasons here, but I don't love them. And I definitely feel like my brother was like reading a book and actively like training himself to try to do lucid dreaming. I feel like he was doing something more interesting than this. But maybe, maybe I was young when he told me that and I just like imagined it was like something really interesting and maybe it's exactly what I'm about to tell you. But I was just like, really? This is stupid. But uh, there's a few, but some of them I find stupid. Like, the first one seems stupid to me. So that doctor, who I mentioned earlier, who studied lucid dreaming, they tested about three common techniques for achieving sleep lucidity. The first is known as reality testing. So this involves verifying whether you are dreaming both in real life and during the dream. For instance, throughout the day, a person may want to ask themselves, am I dreaming right now? Oh, that's As they healthy. try to maybe pass, try to like 
put their hand through a solid wall or maybe just like try to do something that wouldn't naturally happen in reality. This technique relies on intention. So in real life, the wall will remain solid and impenetrable, while in a dream, the hand will easily pass through, theoretically. Unless you're dreaming of solid walls. Yeah. And another reality check is rereading a line of text. Uh, in reality, when we read text on a poster, it will stay the same when we reread it. In a dream, however, the text will constantly shift. I think, again, that's debatable, but that's what they said. Yeah. So if you conduct these experiments repeatedly the throughout the day... The third one is intentionally fall down and yeah, see if you float. <laughs> so if you conduct these experiments repeatedly throughout the day, it'll kind of make it easier for your, I guess, unconscious self to remember to conduct them during your dream state, allowing you to gain awareness in the midst of the dream. Okay, listeners, if you're going to try this, be discreet. Okay, if you go around feeling walls all the time, people are going to start talking. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Another technique is called waking back to bed, and it requires you to set an alarm to wake you up about five or six hours after you've been asleep. Once you're awake, you should aim to remain awake for a while. I love that they just say a while. I was going to ask, what's a while? <laughs> yeah, not a set period of time before going back to bed. Apparently... This technique is supposed to immerse the sleeper immediately into REM sleep, so the phase where you're most likely to lucid dream. Uh, so all it is is waking yourself up before the natural amount of hours you should be sleeping, staying up for, quote, a while, then going back to sleep. I don't like that one. Ironically, Pete Holmes used to talk about lucid dreaming on his podcast when I listened to it a while ago. But then I just saw some Instagram post where he barely gets any sleep now because of his new baby. And I thought that was kind of funny because, <laughs> like, he used to do exactly what you just said. Set an alarm to wake himself up in the middle of the night and then try to lucid dream. <laughs> now his baby is like, Get Yeah, up. so see, that kind of lucid dreaming, I don't know how that affects your sleep. But lucid dreaming as a whole isn't supposed to make you tired. Since it's in, since you remain in the state where you usually are getting the real rest. But I'll get back to that at the end. Finally, lucid dreaming may eventually occur through mnemonic induction. This is a technique that requires intent and a lot of practice. And actually, I think my brother might have done this one. Mnemonic, indu mnemonic induction. A person should repeat to themselves just before going to bed a phrase like, Tonight I'm going to notice I'm dreaming. Not necessarily that verbatim, Tonight but just I'm something like... I'm dreaming. Tonight I'm like going to notice I'm Like a mantra, like, I'm going to notice I'm dreaming. Tonight I'm, I'm going to... Yeah, to kind of program yourself to achieve in dream lucidity. And then you also you also have, uh, like, a little charm that you bring in with you. And if you see that charm, then you know that you're dreaming. And if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like a little top. He's joking, but now I feel like I need to lucid dream. Now I feel like I have to to prove it to him. I'm not. I'm not dissing it. I'm just drawing a parallel know. to a famous Hollywood picture. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be more ways to do it. I kind of want to look a little bit more into it. Um. So, are there any cons? Like, are there any not dangers, but like, are there any risks involved? Like, yeah, some people might think like, oh man, I'm probably gonna be exhausted. Because if you, if you think of sleeping as sort of like resting your body, resting your mind, yeah. you're using your mind. I guess your mind is still doing stuff while you're sleeping anyway, so you're just sort of participating in it instead of not participating in it while it's active. Yeah. So theoretically, you wouldn't necessarily be that much more tired or anything. Yeah, apparently it's not really supposed to cause any issues with sleep. Because like I said, it's in the REM sleep, which is when you are getting the rest. I don't know who would have this fear, but apparently some people have the fear that they might get 
stuck in a dream. Inception, again, you did see the movie Inception, right? I did, I love that movie. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And find it difficult to wake up. However, um, I mean, doctors who study this explain that it's not a risk. Normally, any person can only sleep so long. And I mean, like, this isn't going to make your body capable of sleeping longer. It's just going to make you more engaged when you are sleeping. So you theoretically wake up at the same time you normally would. The only real warning given by doctors who study this is they don't generally recommend that people with severe mental health problems try to lucid dream. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because this could kind of cause some confusion and issues with, like, people with schizophrenia, per se. Now, I thought it was about, like, the average length of my shows, but I was starting to see that there could possibly be links between, like, sleep paralysis and lucid dreaming. But I didn't delve into that. But if you're interested, go Google that. But Marissa's like my students, and she hit her page count and <laughs> yeah, just but stopped the count. story. Yep. <laughs> so, Pete, segue time. Before you begin your lucid dreaming, you might find yourself getting tired. And when you find yourself getting tired, you might find yourself yawning. In fact, yawning has happened on this very show. And sometimes I can't even edit it out. <laughs> I yawn a lot, not because I'm bored or I don't respect Pete, exactly. but because I'm very tired and I work nine and a half hour days. But why do we yawn? When I posed this topic to Marissa, she coolly replied, the brain needs oxygen. We yawn to take it in. Case closed. That's right. Coolly. She didn't say case closed either. But <laughs> but there is more to it than that. Not to mention that I ran across the Google autofill rabbit hole question. Do we yawn when we sleep? Uh, which is, the answer is not usually. Okay. So let's figure all this out so that you listeners can settle any outright battles amongst your friends who are divided on the topic of why we yawn. (laughs) In fact, that's why Pete pursued this, because he wanted to... I wanted to bring peace to the Middle East, and this is how we're going to do it. What did you just say, Pete? You want to, oh, make peace in the Middle East. There is a unifying human aspect to this. Okay. Fourth century, Hippocrates. You remember Hippocrates? Yes. He's the guy for the Hippocratic Oath. He thinks yawns are a method to remove bad air from the body. Quote, like the large quantities of steam. This is my Hippocrates impression. Like the large. No, uh, he's not. Like the large quantities. He's Greek. I don't know if I know a Greek accent. Like the. Like the. Like the large quantities of steam that escapes from cauldrons when water boils, the accumulated air in the body is violently expelled through the mouth. Wow, that's a really good muppet. When the temperature rises, he said. I like that. (laughs) You're thinking he sounds like an idiot because he's basically saying, you know how like a a boiling pot of water produces steam? Human beings' bodies also produce steam, and we yawn to exhale that steam, basically. Okay. But he is onto something with oxygen coming in and carbon dioxide, a.k.a. bad air, coming out, which takes you logically through the process of breathing, uh, which we don't tend to think about very much. But um, my chiropractor actually went to a whole entire seminar about breathing, and he went there going, what in God's name are they going to talk about for a whole damn day? <laughs> but he found out quite a bit that how, about how it affects health uh, and that regulating breathing can have many positive effects for the body, but we often don't think of our breathing or pay attention to the ways that we breathe in order to sort of feel those positive benefits. 
Side note, I didn't know Pete went to a chiropractor, and my mother raised me to not believe that they're a thing. <laughs> if we did regulate our breathing, we wouldn't clam up in tense situations or lose our breath when we're speaking in public if it made us nervous. But usually, you don't yawn while you're public speaking, right? Uh, speak for yourself! <laughs> it would be tacky if you yawned while public speaking because we don't know how valuable yawning is. We just see it as a rude sign of disinterest because that's what TV shows and parents have told us for our entire lives. You know your parents going, stop yawning. That's rude. Don't believe in chiropractors. They're not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Students yawn in my class all the time, but it's not because they're bored. It's because I'm stimulating their brains so much that they need to cool their brains down. I'm glad you're able to tell yourself. (laughs) So some people think that yawning happens when the brain transitions from an attentive state to a less attentive state, meaning you're actively engaged in something and then you get bored. Think of tedious tasks and how likely you are to yawn during those tedious tasks. They also say that when you're bored, your breathing slows. And when your breathing slows and becomes unregulated, your brain makes a call for more oxygen, resulting in a big old yawn that sort of lights your brain back up. Big old. So your brain transitions and breathing can help contribute to the why in yawning. But, Marissa, babies in utero also yawn. Is it because they've they've read all the magazines in the uterus and they're bored? No. Yes. The truth is... Do you know... Do I know that the babies haven't read all the magazines in the uterus? Yes. The truth is we don't 100% know all there is to know about yawning. And that's why I decided to do this topic. That Marissa was like... What? (laughs) We have ideas and we have research to back some of those ideas up. But none of it is a solid through line of definitive proof about yawning. Marissa, have you ever yawned while you were exercising? Uh, I don't know. I do all the time. (laughs) I I exercise after work, and I find myself yawning constantly while I'm exercising. I do so much, in fact, that it's the only icebreaker question that I have with strangers at the gym. I see somebody else yawning, and I go, hey, I'm happy to see somebody else is yawning here. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's some light banter about how we're all tired from work, uh, but we're all powering through this workout. Um, And then afterwards, we can rest. Not together. Uh, It's resulted in no relationships whatsoever. (laughs) But when you exercise, Marissa, do you know what you do? You're moving around a lot. You're warming your body up. Glad you filled that in because I was (laughs) going to say something not accurate. (laughs) When you warm your body up, do you know what's part of your body? Your head. You know what's in your head? Thank you again for doing that quickly. (laughs) Your head is in your brain. I'm sorry. Your brain is in your head. (laughs) And then your brain is so <laughs> then your brain is so hot that it's banned from national parks because Ooh. it's leading cause of wildfires. Ooh. Marissa, your brain is so hot that the people Ooh. around you are getting a tan from it. Marissa, your brain is so hot you called the fire department and even they can't put it out. And they were like, "Get some ice, baby. Break up, I, Sorry for, for that particular part. I looked up your mama's so hot jokes. Oh, God. And one of them is, your mama's so hot that she should sell hot dogs. What? Because she already knows how to raise a wiener or something. It was I really, kind of like that. It was really silly. Um, <laughs> Doesn't but, make sense, but I like it. 
that last one is kind of close. Your brain is so hot, you call the fire department, and even they can't put it out. Your brain is calling the fire department, which would, in this case, be outside air, and it's seeking uh-huh. to cool it down. Yeah, it seems valid. This faction of scientists think that it's less about oxygen and more about temperature. Regulating the body and the brain's temperature can mean that it will work more effectively. So the warmer you are, the more likely you might yawn because your body is overheating and seeking outside air and and things to sort of cool it down. But this is a fairly recent hypothesis coming from a 2007 study. Evidently, people who live in cooler climates also uh, yawn less frequently. Oh, interesting. Okay. There's also a weird part about this, which I sort of just said the opposite of. Okay. It's not about the breath that you're breathing in. So if you go to a cold climate and you take a deep breath, it's not like your brain is being cooled. In fact, when you yawn, you're stretching your face, you're moving parts of your face around, which stimulates blood flow to those parts of your face, and it takes the blood flow away from your brain, and that's actually how it cools down. It's not that you're, like, breathing in cool air, because that would make sense. If you're in a hot place and you yawn, then you're just breathing in hot air to fill your body with more hot air. Yeah, okay. After they published that study that supports brain cooling through yawning, two people approached the scientists to get help. They suffered from chronic, debilitating, pathological yawning. They would get hit by yawning attacks that could last up to an hour. Ew, that's disgusting. They would affect the people's work and relationships. Sure enough, when they cooled the people's surroundings and provided them with ice packs for their forehead and stuff, uh, the yawns subsided. Okay. That was, yes, once disgusting and terrifying, and also, huh, that worked. Yeah. In the 2010s, though, neuroscientist Robert Provine disagreed. He says that there's not enough evidence to support the claims by Andrew Gallup, the guy who conducted that previous study. Mm -hmm. Provine looks more at environmental needs, and he believes that yawning helps the brain change state, like I mentioned at the beginning. Your brain is in a less attentive mode, then you yawn and you kick it into a high attentive mode. Which I'm not, <laughs> I'm not totally convinced about, but there's some credence to this, though, if you think about the contagious nature of yawning, right? You see one person yawn, and then you do it, too. You yeah. could argue that when you see another person yawn, you become more alert and aware of their yawning, and then your body yawns because you want to focus yourself up because you notice somebody else doing the same thing. Okay, that's interesting. He also talks about fetuses in the womb and suggests that in their particular case, it's also related to environmental aspects where yawning helps helps the fetus participate in the growth process, including stretching and strengthening jaw muscles in a sort of evolutionary exercise. Fetuses can't participate. (laughs) Fetuses are exempt. They are. But there's one truth that leans in this direction. Yawning during altitude changes to pop your ears, and uh, equalize your inner ear to the outer atmosphere, that is a thing that works, right? But most Mm -hmm. people say that this isn't a reliable enough truth to lend the theory that yawning is part of evolution, that we have some sort of evolutionary reason while we yawn, because you can also pop your ears by uh, swallowing or chewing, and so they're like, you know, if there are other ways to do it, then evolutionarily it doesn't make any sense that this is a thing that we do. So, you know, that's that ex- it's out there, but it's apparently not terribly reliable. Now, you might also believe what I talked about a little bit earlier. You've heard your whole entire life that yawns mean you're bored and tired. So you could speculate that you learn to yawn when you're bored or tired. So subconsciously you do it because 
you've learned that that's what you're supposed to okay, do. Okay, that's interesting. I like maybe that. Maybe we've all been socially conditioned to yawn, and maybe yawning is the secret language that we all speak without really knowing it. Secret language. Okay. Social learning may be closely related uh, to the phenomenon of contagious yawning as well. From thesleepdoctor.com, quote, Research shows that we're more likely to experience contagious yawning with our families and friends compared to strangers. Even though yawning happens in utero, I don't know why everybody's obsessed with it, but uh, even though yawning nirvana. happens in utero. All obsessed with nirvana. Contagious yawning doesn't start until around the age of five. Another sign this phenomena is linked to our ability to empathize, which develops in early childhood. There's also evidence that contagious yawning is less likely to take place in people who have conditions that affect social interactions, including schizophrenia and autism spectrum disorder, meaning you're, you don't have the ability to socially recognize empathy, and if you can't recognize empathy, then you're not going to have an empathy yawn with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, okay. Regardless of which theory you subscribe to, there's one thing that's very clear from this entire bit of research that I have presented today, and that is we don't know why the hell we yawn. Yeah. Every explanation to me sounds just as plausible as the next one, so I'm not really sure what to tell you about it. Your friends still have to battle. I also learned we don't know anything about the utero. <laughs> not in Trump's America. No! Marissa, <laughs> give me a theory for why we yawn. That isn't any of the ones that I mentioned already. Capitalism. <laughs> Marissa's got a hot take on capitalism today. <laughs> capitalism is why the audio quality isn't as good as it could be, and it's why I can't stop yawning. Yep. Um, cause... It's entirely up to you if you want to come up with something real or something that's fun. When I wrote that question for you, I was like, oh, we yawn because we're horny, which... It was just a joke that popped into my head when I wrote the question. But then I discovered that some people out there, a small, teeny, tiny fraction of people, orgasm when they yawn. Ew! Uh, every time? Or they need not, to yawn Not every orgasm. time, but it's always a risk. Mm, this should have been our icebreaker. Ooh, shit. Well, you definitely don't need to come up with something because it is just sort of part of the show here. So I'm going to still think about it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I might come back to it. It's time for... Marissa, do you have anything to plug as we are in the midst of the holiday season? Besides Medea, I think it, I forget if it's Medea Christmas or like Medea Family Christmas. Besides that, guys, the best Christmas song to me is Give Love on Christmas Day by Michael Jackson. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. And then you should cue right behind it, Someday at Christmas by Stevie Wonder, because that was going to be oh, my plug for the so show. nice. Yeah, I love that one. I and agree. it still applies today. <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. I couldn't come up with any other guilty pleasures, uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, sugar? A, <laughs> shut up, Pete. <laughs> I wasn't really guilty about it, but the other day someone was laughing hysterically and seemed kind of... I don't know if they were disgusted or just really like couldn't put it together with the person I am when they learned that that I like a lot of Kesha. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, right? I was just like If somebody's gonna like pigeonhole you as a punk person and you're gonna like any pop music, it's gonna be Kesha. So yeah, it almost makes I sense. I know. But I feel like I'm pretty pre pretty rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tease anybody with a cool Christmas uh, topic that we're going to do soon? 
Did we pick Christmas topics already? No, we definitely didn't. I'm thinking of maybe like upside down Christmas trees, but I'm not really married to it. Is that a thing? Then I read this conspiracy theory about DMX doing uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, (laughs) Is that a real thing? Yes. Okay. That sounds promising. (laughs) I'm putting together a Phillips Family Fun Time holiday mix on Spotify. And I made that like the third or the second or third song. (laughs) I'm very excited for that to be done. Please let me know when that's ready. I definitely will. I have to see if there's anything interesting to it. My father told me Puerto Rico celebrates the whole Christmas season differently. That might be interesting, but if it's not interesting, I'm going to, I don't know, have to find something ridiculous. So that will be like a kind of serious, but I'll try to make it fun. And Or you could always go for the Star of Bethlehem was actually a UFO conspiracy theory. Oh, man, that sounds promising. <laughs> I might have to do that. It's a very thin topic, but we could get two shows out of it. <laughs> hey, everybody, the usual stuff at the end here. Hey, everybody, call us at 570-POD-1-1 and tell us why you yawn. Or just call and yawn and then hang up, and then we'll make yeah. like a, me- a mega mix of yawns, and we'll play or- them throughout the show. <laughs> yep. Slide into my DMs at Risvandal. We're also on Twitter at Y'all Heard Pod. You can slide into my DMs. My Instagram is private now, so you'll have to. Ooh. I don't know why. I just did it. I just did it. All right, I guys? did it, too. At Pete Abides. I'm private, too. Though, I will absolutely accept you. I just do that so that people who I meet at dating websites don't look at my Instagram until I know that they can handle this. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.